welcome to another edition of the Dream Nation podcast. I'm your host, Yulia, and today I'm coming to you from Palm Springs, California, which is a really lovely place if you have never visited. Wish I could record here every day. And um, this episode has a very special guest. Her name is Alicia, and we recorded this episode actually um, back in November, and it's for everyone who has lost a mother. It's a special Mother's Day episode, and this episode is running late because I was working in an ad agency, and whenever I'm in an ad agency, pretty much everything goes out the window because it's a very demanding job. So uh, this episode is a little late, but it's still super great. So I hope you enjoy it. And this one goes out to everyone who has lost a mother for Mother's Day. I hope it brings you some comfort and I hope you connect with Alicia and her dad mom's club. It's a really, really wonderful, wonderful program for grief and love and awareness that she has created. Enjoy the show. Hi. Nice to meet yeah. you. Nice to meet you too. Let me. I'm just going in our bedroom and I'll put headphones in, like you said. And you called through audio, so the video should be off, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. and plus I look like hell because my hair is everywhere. <laughs> Yo, me too. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's been a, a long couple of of weeks for me, and the holidays are they're quite tough um so yeah I'm just kind of like ramping up for the longest couple of months of the year so <laughs> just sort of trying to ground myself before that that all happens right that's right because the holidays yeah. are usually the hardest there yeah I mean everything's hard but the holidays are it's just concentrated you mm-hmm. know and the holidays yeah. are always during like a really dark and cold part of the year. Like if Christmas exactly. was in the summer, it wouldn't be that weird. You're like, oh, like, I guess I'll just go to the beach or like I'll find something a little bit more uplifting. But yeah. you, you can't escape from from all of it in in the winter. It's cold yeah. and it's dark and you're with your thoughts. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's very real, especially in Vancouver where we're living right now. Like the sun will be down in by the time we get off the phone and it's just the deeper we get into winter, it can be dark by four o'clock here and it's makes it hard to find the space sometimes for mm-hmm. that like healing kind of like you're talking about because it does the weather impacts it, people's energy and moods impact it. Like and the the sun can be very positive just itself you know walking out the door to sunshine in the morning is very different from walking out the door to rain clouds so thank you so much for being on the show I really appreciate you taking the time and um I love to talk a little bit more about your project and um I want to release this episode on Mother's Day there's not enough conversation out there about um having lost a mother Around this time of the year, everything is focused on the positive. If you haven't lost a parent, then this is not in your universe. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I think, you know, all of us can almost develop like a sensitivity too. there's like a little bit of like sensitivity training that not everybody has a parent that may be alive. Yeah, you absolutely. know, so I think this podcast is going to be so wonderful because it's going to start a really great conversation that really needs to happen. And it's it's long overdue. And, um, you know, the first question I always ask my guests is, what was your dream as a kid? Hmm. Yeah, um, I think my dream as a kid, I was really encouraged by my parents and especially my mom to be involved in the arts. 
Um, so I, I used to think about being an artist and I never really knew what capacity that would be. And there was just this, this push and this openness and this, um, real encouragement from my mom to be creative from the time that we were little. And so, you know, I dreamed a lot about having that flexibility in my life and being able to pursue something creative. And it wasn't until, you know, and it, it, when you're asked, what's your dream? What do you want to be when you grow up? Like, I, I really always thought that being an artist would be this awesome, creative, uh, flexible thing that would come to me one day in some form. And it wasn't until high school that I really started writing and, and looking at um, writing as a career and, and writing creatively and writing um, in journalism and studying journalism as a career. And so I think if asked what my dream was, it was to become something um, that was quite similar to what my mom was, which was an artist. And but I can't, I, I don't think I'd really defined it beyond that large scope, which like we all know, um, being an artist can mean so many different things and eventually I got there. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a different conversation that nobody ever teaches in school, right? Artists, it's like, hey, you like there's a clear path to being a firefighter, right? You want to become a firefighter, you go sign up at the firehouse, but there's no clear mm -hmm. path to what it means to be an artist. You want to be a doctor? There's a concrete path to how to be a doctor. Yeah. You know, but it's like um, being an artist also requires a lot of business skill. And that's what I think a lot of schools don't oh teach. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> you can't be you can't be anything if you don't have business skills. And I think there's just such a component to teaching kids business. There's so much to be said for artists being able to be business people. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because when I think back to, okay, I defined it, I knew I loved writing. I became, you know, you start to figure out what the path is and you, you kind of have to define that path for yourself. Um, and so I, I moved into journalism and writing in high school and I was doing everything from like, writing music reviews about Bright Eyes albums to like, and this was like um, at that time. And then, and then also, you know, learning how to be an editor and how to manage a team. And you, you start to see and pick out those skills that'll help you learn um, the management around being an artist or a writer, but then to, to go into college and thinking about my college career, you know, I learned a lot about the skill. Um, but there wasn't really the opportunity in, in my university career to learn about how to turn it into a business. And when I, when I moved out of university and graduated and started, you know, okay, I can write now. I can write everything from a five paragraph essay to like a 60 page research paper to some like crazy creative writing nonfiction. Um, but how am I going to get paid for this and how am I going to navigate it as my full-time job? And as a business, that's more than just this dream of being creative and being able to satisfy that part of my career, but also being able to actually make it my career. Um, yeah. So how did that bring you to, <laughs> right? It's, I, I'm like trying to follow a path because the question is how yeah. did, how did all the work, that you were doing in school bring you to your current project, which is the Dead Moms yeah. Club? Yeah. I mean, 
writing has always been my in. So when I left university, um, I was really focused on uh, food and communal eating practices and studying food culture and looking at food through um, a cultural and ethnographic and anthropological lens. So I was looking at like one of my favorite things and figuring out how to write about it because it was the avenue and the medium that I could use to examine something and then amplify my thoughts on it. Um, and so after I'd been writing about that and, and my career really focused around food writing, um, editing in the food world, uh, everything from internships to freelance for, for many years, um, I started working on a project, uh, a, a broadsheet, so a print project with a friend of mine and a designer. And we decided for the first issue that we were going to focus on death. Um, it was still going to be food centered because that was my background. He was going to do all of the design. And, and we started working on this project and we're like, but what is the one theme other than just food? People need to like food publications are at the point right now where you need to go deeper because there's so much being done on the topic. Um, so we wanted to look at death through the lens of food and food through the lens of death and dying and um, about a month before we went to print, my mom died. Um, so we'd, we'd spent the whole year, a whole year, doing research into death and food, doing research into recipes and developing recipes and talking to people about, you know, all kinds of creative and artistic ways that people in the world are exploring death and the culture around death and dying. Um, and then, you know, we were really immersed in it. And then my mom died. And I, so I was already sort of in this death focused world and I moved away from this general, um, I guess, general approach to the topic and spun it to directly relate to my life and my loss. Um, so I sort of came at this in the work that I'm doing now through the medium of writing and creating and printing um, and have just sort of pivoted from and just gone a little deeper from the overall topic of death and dying to specifically look at grief as it relates to death-related loss and my specific loss. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of, that was my journey in through the medium of, of writing and publishing. And, you know, I sat with the opportunity to write about my loss and my mom and um, my, I hate the word journey because it's, I don't feel like there's this path through grief, but my experience with grief and having to navigate the really muddy, crazy waters that are grief. Um, that's, that's where I've gotten to now and had the opportunity to, to start a lot of sort of satellite projects away from the writing that are related to grieving and, and hopefully helping other people, um, through their own mother loss and, and just loss in general. Wow. <laughs> wow that is that is that is a life story that it's a really heavy story to even process just hearing you talk about it I just can't even imagine how intense it was to be working on a project and then the project hits home yeah. you know that's that's 
it's life sometimes. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, I feel like especially now where I am and the work that I'm able to do and the partnerships that we built during that period and just being having the opportunity to work with someone who was so willing to just open these conversations with me laid an incredible foundation for the hardest experience that I've had in my life, which is losing my mom. And I think that I feel so lucky um, to have been prepped for a whole year, just like looking into the topic in such a general and um, sprawling landscape of what death is and how people approach it creatively and books that people were writing and movies and digging into films that people had made about the topic and art and talking to artists and authors and like being able to have all of that prep work and then have my mom die and have all of those resources to then fuel my creative, um, my creative work in this space. Like I know that I am, I'm so lucky to have been given that foundation to, stand on while having to, to navigate, um, my mom's death over the last couple of years. Wow. Was the death sudden or was there like a long sickness coming? Did you anticipate it or did it just take you out of, you know, nowhere? I mean, it took me out of nowhere cause it's, you know, it's your mom and mm-hmm. the moment when someone actually dies whether or not you anticipate it is still gonna hit in a way you could not have anticipated um but my mom was quite sick for most of my life in and out of the hospital quite a bit um Mm -hmm. and so yeah like to be totally honest um she was very sick in a lot of different ways and my my mom died two weeks after my sister's wedding, my younger sister's wedding. And a week after I had actually moved to Scotland and my parents um, were living in California. So it was like we, I'd been moving on and sort of moving forward with all of these huge things. So it hit me in a way where I was like, okay, I can go to Scotland. I'm going to do this project in London. We were printing the broadsheet um, with a, a print shop in London and going down to do some work um, in the UK and to, to sort of be like sucked back to California. I think it was, it was interesting because it's something that, yeah, I've known that um, there was the possibility that I wasn't going to see my mom into her nineties. But it was kind of at a time where it, you know, when I think back on it and, and my perspective on all of that, you know, changes, every month even (laughs) just like what was I really going through then oh yeah let me dig into this a little more Mm -hmm. um I was yeah sort of aware of the fact that she was ill and had been quite ill for a while but still trying to power through which you know you do I think that I think (laughs) I think that's how you know death is it's like you just you just never you can never really fully comprehend it until it happens. It's mm-hmm. it's a very surreal experience unless you've gone through it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also curious about the satellite projects that you said. So you were working on 
you were working on the food collections and then you said yeah. that inspired well I guess you know what let me take a step back <clears throat> so I can take um let me just take a step I can't talk oh my god no it's, <sighs> it's like 9 p.m where you are I get <laughs> it's it okay no like, it's okay li- just be waking up it, for me right now sometimes feels like a full-time job then I go to my full-time <laughs> job then I have another full-time <laughs> job on the side and I'm like okay, my brain does just break sometimes. Like it, just it does. Okay. It does. It I does. It. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just like, my brain is like, uh, <laughs> um, so I was going to ask you, I guess to take a step back, um, to just kind of talk about your work, the dead moms club and what you do with it. And, uh, maybe a little bit more about the satellite projects that you offer with it. Yeah, absolutely. So this started, and I'll, I'll just talk about the roots. Um, when I started really publicly talking about my grief and my mom and my dead mom, that that came from, and a lot of the strength for that came from friends and people in my life that had also lost their moms and people that had been having the conversations for a while because they lost their moms a while ago and people that were open and, you know, they found themselves ready to start bringing in other people who had lost their moms into their world and their conversation. Because what one of my friends told me, um, and one of the things that we talked about, he actually was going to write a piece about this before my mom died for the broadsheet, um, was that, you know, especially considering how young, you know, relatively respectively young we are, um, when you lose someone and your mom dies, you become a part of this club, right? So you become a part of this club where there's so many people that don't understand what it is that you're going through, how to talk about what you're going through. And you feel like you've gained membership to this society and this club that really can isolate you in a way that is really overwhelming. And so he was talking about how it's like you find people and you find people who, you know, you can meet them somewhere um, and you can meet them somewhere that you really can't meet a lot of other people, which is at this place where you're already understanding so many things that other people are just not going to have clicking for them. And I think that's, you know, kind of like you and I were talking about earlier is, and I talk to people about this quite a bit and I talk about it in my writing and with the projects is Christmas is a great day for a lot of people. Christmas is also one of the worst days of the year for people who aren't celebrating it with a loved one anymore. Mother's Day can be a beautiful day that you wake up and you celebrate being a mom, but there's a lot of moms that don't have their mothers and who've lost mother figures in their life and who had to watch their mothers lose their mothers. And like these days can be triggering and scary and overwhelming in a way that you really only understand once you've lost a person. Um, And so the work came out of sort of feeling like, okay, I'm in this club. I have these friends and these people that I'm starting to talk to you about, like, holy shit, like, why is watching TV just so exhausting sometimes? And it's because 
you're picking up on little things and relationships and commercials and advertising that is affecting you in a way that is not affecting people when they're not tapped into a huge part of their life that is missing, that is triggered and referenced in all of this media or conversations or holidays or whatever it is. So I started talking to people and I realized the more that I started like navigating and having to deal with like holidays and going to work with people whose moms hadn't died and being in rooms like for events and parties with people or just meeting people like for the first time and they're asking where my parents live and like what my mom does. Having to navigate all of that, um, I realized it's really special to know when there's someone in the room or when you're meeting someone for the first time, or you can reconnect with a friend who has also lost someone and been impacted in this way. And so the first thing I did was as a creative project was create these pins. And so the pins for the dead moms club, um, I worked with a designer out of, uh, out of Australia, a friend of mine, um, his name is Evan Papa Giorgio. And so we worked on this design that was an opportunity to create a pin for people to wear to signify um, that they are part of something that can connect them to people or honestly get people to stop asking the really dumb, shitty questions and stop saying the really dumb, inconsiderate stuff at really key moments during the year and in, and in our lives. Um, because like, I can speak to some experiences that I've had where I'm just like, yo, like you just need to see this pin on my jacket. My mom is dead. Please do not ask me what I'm going to buy for her for Mother's Day because I do not have the energy. I do not have the interest. And I know you're not being a bad person, but it's just trying to, to get people on the same page, um, as the people who are willing to put on the pin and, and proudly express that like they're grieving and they're going through something and they've lost someone that they want to, um, signify in their daily life or whenever they feel like they need something, you know, on their lapel or on their shoulder, just to, to represent their mom and the loss that they've experienced. Um, so from that, I created the pins and I realized as a part of creating the pins, what was happening to me more and more often was just conversations <laughs> um, and me asking people about what advice they have for someone who is dealing with all of these shitty situations and things that are just going on in daily life that just make it really hard. The things that are going on and how to avoid, you know, just wanting to crawl under your bed and not come out for the entire month of May. Um, and like trying to figure out, you know, and have conversations with people about what is so hard to talk about when it comes to grief and loss. And I think that the writing and the um, not so much advice, but the, the dialogue and the pointers that I've been able to give as far as it's related to my experience is where a lot of the writing came from on my site. Um, and then just as someone who likes to write and create things and is exploring the digital universe right now, um, I just started thinking creatively about like, what can I do other than just write a blog post? You know, what can I do other than say, here's five things that you absolutely 
should think about before you have to spread your mom's ashes, because I spread my mom's ashes and there are really pointy, sharp bones in there. So don't reach your hand in when you're breaking them up. Like that kind of stuff was really important for me to be able to talk about um, and put it, you know, in a platform where people could access it digitally. But then I was like, what else can we do? Can we look at, you know, and can I look at creating digital care packages for people so that if you are someone trying to support someone in my situation, I'm not just speaking to the people who have lost someone, but to the people who have to support them on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis when all of these really hard things are building up and continuously hitting them. So I've created checklists for people who want to create a care package for someone going after going back to work after experiencing a major loss and touch on the little things and give context for why having something like a week's worth of some kind of granola or power bar in their desk because eating and remembering to eat when you're sitting at your desk for the first time after being at your mom's funeral can be so overwhelming. It took so much just to get out of bed and go to work at the beginning of the day. that like by the time lunch rolls around, who knows where your head is going to be at. Um, I've created a checklist and sort of like care package checklist for people who have to spread ashes because like I said, you know, you may not think about if, you know, if your friend is going to spread a parent's ashes or a person's ashes, you may not think about the fact that like ashes really stick to your skin or like when you're going to pour them in water, they're not going to look that beautiful and it kind of looks weird and gross and it's really triggering and depressing. So bringing some fresh flowers to put in the water over the ashes as they're floating away can be a huge way to make it a more like beautiful, calming experience. Um, so those are the, some of the resources um, that I've created digitally for people. Um, and then I'm also, you know, moving away from the Internet because I love being in rooms and facilitating and being around people and having conversations. Um, I'm doing some mini workshop series. I'm coming out to New York. Um, I'll be in New York in like 10 days doing a workshop uh, in Health Kitchen focused on how to support loved ones through grief and their grief process and actually not only how to say the really annoying shitty thing that everybody says like what can I do how can I help I'm here to support to do anything and then they disappear a week later um the the workshop and the workshop series that I'm building are focused on how people can actually action on the offers that they make to help someone who's grieving and not just say the things we all know we're supposed to say but actually like write the letters when you say that you're going to stay in touch or help them and learn what the components of a memorial are so that when their mom's death anniversary comes up later in the year, you can actually offer them, you know, ideas for spaces to hold a memorial or ways to engage family members so that they can have rituals that are ready. So that's a lot. It's, it's like, I'm sort of, sort of like, having all of these little satellite projects branch off because I'm really loving the different ways that I can engage with people and have the conversations on and off of the internet. Um, but yeah, you know, I've got like a big end goal with this, um, this work and it'll hopefully materialize one day. And, and I'm sort of testing the waters right now just to see, to see what's what's really resonating with people as support systems and also as the people who are grieving. It is so amazing to hear you say everything because it just, you know, there's so many things that people just don't know. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't know either. You, Did know? you know, I didn't know any of this. <laughs> and I think 
this is so overdue in the world, you know, because mm-hmm. death is considered such a stigma, so we don't talk about it, but we should talk mm-hmm. about it because that's the only way that we heal. Yeah. And I just, um, realized that this would be such a wonderful office program too like if you really want to try to expand it out to offices because a lot of times when somebody's co-worker has to deal with death um, it's really weird in the office like nobody really knows what yeah. to say and then everybody kind of says the generic thing and then you're like do I send him a basket like y- you just don't really know you know what you're getting at is there are these these walls that are built between all of these spaces that we have to navigate professionally and personally. Um, But as a person who is grieving, you can't check it at the door and you can't, you know, you can't check your sympathy for someone at the door just because you have to sit down at a computer next to them and get to work. And I think that the workplace is, is the worst environment I think that I've had to navigate and deal with in the last two years. I've left jobs because of how my grief was handled. Um, I've taken jobs because of how I know my grief will be handled. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to look at. And I've been looking at the workplace quite a bit just in how bereavement policies are like a whole other thing I could, you know, talk about and cry about and yell about for days and days on end, just looking at the boxes that we put grief and grieving and bereavement into in the workplace. Um, They're not built for human beings and they're not built for how complex the grief and grieving experience is. Um, And that's why I think like with some of my writing and some of the resources, the there's a huge reason why I wanted to get into the workplace is because you can be a great friend that has someone over for like a bottle of wine and has takeout and tissues and supports in that way. But it's one thing to be able to go to the office and really know how to even try to support a coworker that has to be back at work three days after their parents' funeral. Um, and it's tricky and it's hard and I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with it as a person who's, you know, in the office coming up, you know, uh, two weekends ago was the two year anniversary of my mom's death. And I'm sitting in the middle of it as the person who's taking care of myself grieving, who's taking care of my coworkers um, and understanding that they don't know how to take care of me while I'm grieving. And then also knowing that at any moment, the people around me could lose a parent or lose a loved one. And that I'm going to need to figure out how to be a good support system for them um, and the, the workplace is just, it's, it's a crazy, um, dynamic to figure out how to navigate when it comes to grief and death. I think that making us talk about grief and acknowledging the fact that we're yeah. human creates a stronger work environment where you feel more mm. supported. And I think, you know, when workplaces try to squish the humanity out of you, mm-hmm. it's not the way to acknowledge people and yeah you know like I know in my office and uh, you know whenever whenever I have a chance to go into other offices I'm very human so I'm always talking to people and I'm like look if we're going to be working together if if I'm going to be working for you I'm going to tell you everything that's happening Mm -hmm. you know and if you're working for me I want you because if you know everything that's happening then you can help your employees and yourself manage things and you can be a support system for each other. 
as opposed to expecting people to just shut everything off like robots because that's not possible. That's not how humans work. Yeah. But they will work better if you give them the right support systems and um, if you help them understand that they're not alone. And feel like a whole human being, like who doesn't want their employees to show up as the person that you're trying to be and that you are in offices that you're talking about, like as a whole human who's letting their experience and their knowledge and their lived experience influence the work that they're doing. And I just, you know, it's really special to show up as that person and be willing to to have that vulnerability because it makes a big difference and it can make a big impact. It's a really, it's a kindness to yourself and the people that you're working with to, to enter a room and to enter contracts and, and working relationships in that way. Yeah, I think vulnerability makes us stronger. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a weakness at all. It's, yeah. it's an ability to just be hyper present mm-hmm. um you mentioned things like you know if you're spreading ashes you don't know mm-hmm. that there might be some sharp bones in there mm-hmm. you know that's just like things that people don't know which is which is almost in a way along the lines of end of life planning tips right like mm-hmm. nobody really talks about end of life planning tips and i think you cover that in your club as well you have some tips that you recommend so I was wondering if you can share those with um some of the listeners as well like what are some things they can expect for planning for themselves or maybe a parent yeah I think like generally you know when I was thinking about this this question I think it's being prepared to Understand and be okay with the fact that even if you have a plan, things can still be incredibly hard. It can all just go out the window. And there are things that you can never plan for. Um, I think that there's a lot of work that can be done to plan logistically and financially. Um, and there's a lot of people doing incredible work in that space. And I, I would be happy to send resources and people that that are really preparing people um, to get things in order. Right. But you cannot get in order how you're going to feel the first time you like, for example, for me, go to a wedding after your mom dies. And there are things that I can say, you know, and tell people like, Think about all of the times in the year, like all of the holidays in the year. And this is one thing that I'll be doing in my workshop in a couple weeks is think about all of the times in the year that are holidays. And there are these these general periods, you know, there's like that you think this person could be suffering their loss. Um, There's Mother's Day. If it's mother loss related, there's Mother's Day. There's their birth, that person's birthday. Um, and there's probably Christmas because everybody knows that if, if, if somebody has died, Christmas is going to be pretty hard. But you know what else is really hard? Like, Father's Day is really hard because that's the day that my dad doesn't have my mom around. He fathered, you know, his children with. And for some people, Halloween is really hard 
because it reminds you of all the Halloweens that you got to trick or treat, or it's a holiday that was really special and a, a really strong relationship builder and time that you got to spend with your mom. When you think about, you know, I got engaged in the last couple of years, um, like not even the last couple of years, I got engaged recently. And Congrats. Thank you. And it's awesome. And I appreciate the congratulations. It has been one of the most painful experiences in the last two years since my mom died to think about the fact that she wasn't there for me to call. She isn't here for me to plan and she won't be there on the day. Um, and I, you know, I think one of the things that people can do to prepare themselves, um, and to prepare the people around them is to understand that this stuff is consistent. It is constant. It is everywhere. And grief doesn't, you can't, you can't plan for it, you know? And, and I think it's, there are a lot of things and resources out there, like I said, to plan for the tactical things like spreading ashes, um, even having some conversations, like there's things that I would tell people, think before you say this, and this is why, or think before you commit to this, and this is why. Um, but there's there's just so much that that comes up and will come up for everybody for different reasons. And planning is important for the tactical stuff, and it can it can be really good to just know that there are a lot of things you can't plan for and that you don't know are going to make you sad, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I think it's also interesting for couples where one parent, you know, exists for couples that have a living Mm -hmm. mother and then the other half of the couple does not. So I think for those couples, Mother's Day is very, very strange because both couples want to celebrate, but then there's also this sense of loss. So you feel a little guilty celebrating when, You know, one has a living parent and the other one doesn't. And there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. Yeah, I think um, it's it's been interesting because my my fiance, his mom. So I met his mom for the first time like a month after my mom died. And we'd been together for a while, but his family's from Australia. So the first time that we were able to meet in person was the, the month after my mom died. And she has just been such an incredible rock and support system for me because on Mother's Day, I get to celebrate her because, she, you know, she's my, my future mother-in-law and it's so exciting and, and she can play a part of that role for me, but she also isn't afraid to acknowledge my mom on those days. And my fiance isn't afraid to acknowledge my mom on those days. And my dad isn't afraid to acknowledge my mom on those days. And I think that's where, you know, the, it can be really hard. And when we're talking about wedding planning, it's like, cool, your mom's going to be there and it's going to be beautiful. And I'm so excited that, you know, I mean, in the the way things are going now, she's going to be there. Um, You never know what's going to happen. And it's really scary. And it's, you know, all of that tension. But I think like, I am very lucky and hope that more people are lucky to have people in their life that recognize that, yeah, it's going to be hard and it's going to be sad and it's going to be really complicated. Um, But having someone who acknowledges 
their role as a mother and also the existence of your mother, which like a lot of people just don't, (laughs) um, makes it a little bit easier. And I feel really lucky to have that with, with my partner. Um, he's very mindful of that and, and very aware, you know, like Mother's Day sucks (laughs) and Mother's Day (laughs) can be really positive in some ways and it can be beautiful and, and it can be a great time to sit and talk about my mom, but it's also, it's really hard. Um, but having people who are kind of on my level and willing to have discussions about my mom and themselves is, is really special. I think you just said it right there where um, the moment that you said that people just kind of ignore it, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's such a stigma around death and people don't really mm-hmm. know. There's no roadmap, right? Like you just started making tips, which I think is a huge step forward. But this is uncommon knowledge that people teach in school, you know, so people don't really know how to behave. And I think the easiest thing for people to do is just completely not acknowledge it because then Mm -hmm. it makes it easier to skirt the uncomfortableness and the stigma It makes it easier yeah for them Mm -hmm. and you know like I said earlier it makes it easier for them and it makes it really isolating and really overwhelming and really really hard for a lot of the people that are in the shoes of of the person who's lost someone and who's grieving, you know, I, I've just seen it and talked to so many people about it. You know, I want people to come up to me on the day that I'm dealing with the anniversary of my mom's death and ask how I'm doing and acknowledge the fact that that's going on for me. Because if they don't, and I don't get to talk to anyone about it, then I sit with it myself. And I sit with it myself, you know, probably a lot less than other people because I talk about it on the internet and I like <laughs> write about it and, and invite people to have conversations with me about it. But, you know, I'm in my head about this and people who've actually lost someone are in their head about this every single day um, and people avoiding it just because they don't want to hurt you or they don't want to say the wrong thing or they don't want to talk about something that's uncomfortable. Um, It's just extremely, extremely isolating. It is. Um, Yeah. You know, um, this is one of the hardest podcasts I probably have done in the last two years I don't think any many podcasts have made me laugh but none of them brought me to tears and we're 45 minutes in Mm -hmm. and I literally sat here with tears in my eyes because this is one of the hardest topics I think that I've probably ever covered on the podcast and I think it's something that's going to help a lot of people and um And I guess my my last question to you is, um, what is your dream as an adult? Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess my dreams, I was was asked recently to describe like what kind of of world I want to live in, right? And for me, that's a world where we really dig into the deep stuff 
related to grief and death openly and loudly um, and in public spaces. And so my dream and my mission and the, 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 the goal for me um, of the work that I'm doing to get there is to establish a place. And my dream is to have this, this place where, where I can set up a grief studio and have a physical space in the center of a city where people are faced with grief and death and the conversations about it and the resources about it and the work being done around it every single day. Because my, my dream really at the end of the day is to, to talk about this for the rest of my life. Um, and to talk about this with people who are excited about it and nervous about it and scared of it, um, for the rest of my life and to, to do it in, in a way that's accessible. So, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Scary, (laughs) but it's, you know, dreams don't always have to be rainbows and unicorns, you know, and they're quite often from my understanding and my experience, a lot of work and struggle and pain and support, and then some rainbows and unicorns, hopefully at some point or at the end. Um, But I think it's worth it because there's, you know, we talked tonight about how there aren't, you know, there aren't people having these conversations and resources, but there are, and they're out there and, and they're really blowing up. Um, and they're, they're really trying to get people to come and have these conversations with them, which is why for me, like, I want to be downtown front and center on the main drag talking to people about this stuff. Um, because it helps, you know? I love it. You know, it also brings to mind, like, it'd be amazing to have an amazing museum of grief. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's so many different ways that cultures grieve differently. But um, that's almost like another podcast. But thank you so much. <laughs> it's like I can I can go on forever, and it's 10 o'clock. And, you um, can do it all night. <laughs> you know, and isn't it funny that we're recording at nighttime? I'm like, I usually don't record, but I'm trying to record all of these podcasts for next year because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have time. So it's really interesting that we're recording this podcast about death. In the dark. In the dark, <laughs> in the very cold winter season. Sometimes it's it's a time for rebirth, right? Like death is also like the next phase. Mm-hmm. So... That's an interesting conversation, but thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you for all the amazing work that you're doing. I think it's so inspiring, and I think it's it's going to help so many people. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time, and, you know, like I said, thank you for having the conversation um, and and getting it out there and showing people that it's possible to have these conversations and cry a little bit and get stuff done. And it can be positive and, you know, scary and hard work. Um, But we need to be doing it. So I really appreciate you making the space for it and for me. 
Anytime. We can do another one in the future, too. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice Thank you to so meet much. you. Thank you for your amazing work. It really is really of inspiring. Course. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All Have right. a good Have night. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast. It's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love. Share it with your friends. Have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.